what should we talk about today? I had something on the the notes bits. I see something interesting that says UPS mailbox. Oh yeah, I just did this. Okay. Are you familiar with these? Uh, no, please tell me more. I am a new owner of a UPS mailbox. Wow. I, I'm probably a little more than excited about this than more excited about this than I should be. <laughs> so what does that mean to own a UPS mailbox? Okay, so you're familiar with a PO box? Yeah. Out of USPS, you can go in and rent a mailbox with USPS. Mm-hmm. This is a thing that you can do. The problem with a PO box is that you cannot have, say, FedEx or UPS ship packages to it. They only accept USPS. Of course, anyone can ship or or send letters and that sort of thing to a P.O. box. But packages, it has to be USPS, which is not good for my particular scenario. However, a UPS mailbox, though more expensive, you can ship whatever you want to it whenever you want. And depending on your location, you can go access it 24-7. My particular location, I cannot do that. But I am still able to ship whatever I want to this. Hmm. So I set one up. And I I guess the reason for that is primarily for my web development business. I'm getting tired of putting my home address on things. Uh. (laughs) So I, I finally broke down and set up this UPS mailbox so that I can get an address that goes on all of my invoices and it goes on whatever email newsletters and that sort of thing that require an address, a physical address. Mm-hmm. I can put this address on that and not be giving out my actual home address. Do you like mail? No, I despise mail. Okay, because I feel like this is either the act of someone who loves mail or hates mail. Yes. Is part of it because you do not want it to continue coming to your home? It has more to do with like logistics, with uh, working with companies like that. That has more to do with it than anything. Yeah. Primarily, like they, they just want an address so that whenever they fill out their receipts or they fill out whatever paperwork it is they need for taxes and such, they want an address for that. Yeah. This gives them something to put on there without it being my home address. And it means like I, I, I'm going to have to go check this thing like once a week. So don't send anything time sensitive if anyone's thinking about sending me something. <laughs> so I will not get it regularly. But it's not so much about getting mail as much as where it goes and what I'm giving to people. Do you live in an area where it's not like a big deal to get packages and that kind of stuff, though? This isn't like a security problem. Well, two years ago, I would have said that I it had zero to do with that. Mm-hmm. But this past... Christmas season, there was a spell of, we think, two or three people, it's hard to know this, folks that were going around taking packages off of doorsteps. Uh, there have even been, been folks taking mail out of mailboxes, hoping to catch like a social security check or something. Oh, So it's kind of frustrating, and I still can't quite get my head around why people think this is helpful for them, but it makes it frustrating for everyone else. So yeah. I, I think... Likely this Christmas season, what we will likely do is take advantage of that mailbox and ship things there because of the past history. I don't think that's going to be a thing that we're going to do like just regularly because it's not an issue typically throughout the year. It's only during that heavy shipping season that I think there's an issue in our area. Did you hear about that guy who, it was just in the news like last week, there was a person who just got caught for 
using a change of address form to move UPS headquarters to his apartment. And he was getting all of the checks for UPS delivered to his house and deposited about $50,000 worth of money. Oh, my gosh. What I liked about that is, one, that you can do that. Right. Everyone needs to use a change of address form. But two, that he started writing his name on the change of address form, crossed it out, and just put UPS. And somebody (laughs) saw it and was like, that seems fine. Let's go ahead and send it over to his house. And he was getting like boxes and boxes and boxes of mail every day delivered to his apartment in Chicago. Yeah. Have you ever used those Amazon lockers that they have in like Whole Foods and different stores now? No, I've seen these things. I I can't say that it's something I... I I don't think I fully understand the scenario where this would be helpful. Maybe you could explain this to me. Yeah, I think the scenario is you're buying something on Amazon and you're afraid that it's going to get stolen off your porch. So instead of having it delivered there, you get it put in this weird locker that is only a few blocks from you. Because at least where I live, and I live in a smaller city, and they're everywhere. And I think that it just ships there for free or just as much as being on your door or, or something. So it's not an inconvenience to you. But you have transcended that. And got your own dang UPS mailbox to do whatever you want with. Yep. So that's that's pretty cool. So, I mean, you're not expecting anything cool to come here, though. This is for mail. This is for the, the odd package. That's it. I am actually hoping there's no mail that goes there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is a mailbox that's for necessity, not for delight. Right, <laughs> right. I even asked them... It's possible, I didn't set this up because I'm sometimes cheap and didn't want to pay for it, but Uh it's possible to rent this mailbox and then put a forward on it so that it forwards to your home address. So it kind of acts as a pass-through of sorts. So that's possible. Mm. You you could do that. Yeah. But... I just didn't want to pay the extra to do it. I figure I could stop by once a week. That's that's doable. I drive right past it, you know, at least two or three times a week anyway. You are still home officed. No no office on the horizon for you? Tomorrow morning, I am meeting with a guy who I go to church with, and they have an open office in their building that I am considering renting from them. So I'm, I'm playing around with that idea. I don't know... I don't know if it's going to stick, <laughs> but I think what I'm getting to is I do a lot of video calls anymore with mm. my clients, and it just feels weird to have like a family room behind me when I'm doing those calls, and it just seems a little bit unprofessional. Maybe that's a lame reason to want to go to an office of sorts, but it, it seems important to some extent. I mean, the the size of company that I am doing business with seems to be growing lately, and that that has become more and more of an important thing to me. That and my girls are getting older and they are pretty good at making noise. And despite the fact that I have my own little room and with a door and noise canceling headphones, somehow they still manage to permeate all of that. <laughs> so I'm not trying to just completely pretend they're not here. But at the same time, I'm trying to get some stuff done yeah. and it's extremely distracting to me. I am exploring that option. I I don't know how I feel about it yet. I've not seen this office. I don't know if it fits the bill. There's a couple others in town I may go take a look at, but it's at least a thing I'm exploring at the moment. I hadn't thought about that for you, that the whole home office situation is kind of time dependent on the ability for the children in the house to be quiet. And sooner or later, uh, that's going to be harder. (laughs) than it was. Yes. The background thing 
I don't know. I feel like we've gotten to a point where no one's really weirded out by a background. As long as it's not like, you know, you sitting in your bed. I don't think that people are weirded out when there's a home office, especially for someone like you. It's like, yeah, this is this is literally my home office. I'm not just shoving all of my dirty clothes in a corner and pretending like this blank wall is where I always sit. But I understand the feeling for wanting to be in a more professional environment. But I wonder if that's something that we really care about anymore as a whole. I think I would agree with you. But at the same time, like the the scenario that I'm in, I am the owner, founder, lead salesperson for this company of web development. And given the rates that I charge for some of these projects, it would kind of be expected that you could easily afford that sort of a scenario. Yeah. Like that's that's the assumption, but I don't know how many people actually follow through with that thinking. Like, like when I'm on a video call, do they make some sort of a judgment in that sense? Probably not. I mean, it's, it's getting to be like, to your point, it, it's getting to be pretty common, but maybe this is just my corporate background coming out and me wondering, hmm, should I do something about this or not? I don't know. I, I haven't made a decision on it, but I'm I'm at least exploring it right now. You know, that is an interesting thing that you just brought up, and it's something that I've been thinking too. The main reason why I got my office was because I live just far enough away from the city where I live, about 15, 20 minutes, for it to be inconvenient for me to run into town, grab a coffee or something, and then rush back to take a phone call at my quote unquote, home office. It's really, really nice now to have the ability to do it at my house and the ability to do it from downtown. And I also like working with people and there's people in the office now. So, you know, like it checked a lot of boxes for me. But for me, I think that a big part of it was, well, what do I do when I meet somebody? Because you can only have so many coffee shop meetings before someone says, okay, I want to talk more in private. Like, do you have a place that we can go? Or, you know, can, can we go to the office and do some brainstorming or this, that, and the other? And so I, I, I feel that. And I do even, as you said it, it made me consider how much of that was me actually thinking this is a practical thing or how much of it was me thinking subconsciously this is a thing that I need to do to appear legitimate. You've been, and you know, we I, I say these words often, you've been freelancing longer than me, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lean on you. I lean on you as I still figure this out. I've been doing it now for a year and a half. I'm getting more and more confident in it. But still, I find myself trying to figure out the legitimacy question a lot. Right. And it, I've never really heard you talk about it before, but that was that was kind of the first inkling that sometimes you wonder about how to present the legitimacy of freelancing or, you know, running your own business or this, that, and the other. Is that something that you think about or, you know, have to consider often? Or is it not really a, a problem for you other than in these very specific situations? I think it's it, it, it's a concept that I, I I think through quite a bit, at least lately, because I feel like I'm moving Definitely one side of what I do is freelancing, where I I go out, I I work on a project and call it quits when it's done. I'm kind of transitioning a piece of my business over to just that. It's more of a business that I'm running instead of Joe the freelancer, where I'm, I'm starting to get some other people involved and trying to reach uh, larger contracts and that sort of thing, which means that to appear like you are a company of that size and and portray that legitimacy uh, I, I have a lot of things i kind of i feel like i need to do some of it's purely to protect myself 
in certain scenarios. You know, the type of thing that I do, it's possible that I have to take on a fair amount of liability with a company's website because it is possible for me to break it to the point where it comes down, which means I I likely need to have business insurance of sorts because I might be liable for a loss of income because their e-commerce site went down for two days. Like that is possible. Yeah. So I, I have to start considering if I'm going to operate at that level, I have a lot of little details that a, a le- I say legitimate, but a larger company than a freelancer has to consider. So I have the whole conversation started on the whole business insurance bit. I am trying to get a, a lawyer to write up formal contracts and agreements for a number of things. And some of that is purely for protection, but some of that is for this whole appearing as if you are a larger company in some way so that the even larger companies feel more comfortable doing business with you. Right. Like I feel like that's something I'm starting to consider, but I... I don't know, Drew. <laughs> I, I'm still trying to figure some of this out myself. I have recently been thinking through it a lot myself because when I moved to California about a year and a half ago, I was very fortunate in that I didn't have long between leaving my job and finding some good freelance work that had a monthly retainer. Right. And I've been doing that ever since. So I, I didn't have to worry about big chunks of time without something to do and without, you know, money to pay the bills. But at the same time, the the role that I was given and the retainer that I had, it was for some work that I never wanted to do in the long term. It was it was more transitory, like, oh, this is really great in this time period. And one of my biggest contracts just ended about two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Okay. I knew that it was going to end. It had a pretty definitive end date. It was like, this project is going to go on until we launch this thing. And then, you know, I knew the thing was going to launch, and then it launched, yeah. <laughs> and then it was over. Your work here is done. <laughs> yes, yes. And as that was happening, I found myself immediately thinking, oh, well, it's time to go find work that's like this, you know, go find another retainer that will allow me to keep doing this kind of thing. And I took a step back and I thought, man, I'm not sure if that's actually what I want to keep doing because... The whole point of it was to get me through a transition, and I'm now transitioned, and I'm settled, and I know what I'm doing, and I'm moving forward on a lot of different projects, and it's all going well. Do I really want to try to find more transitory work? Because sooner or later, you know, you keep doing that over and over and over again, and like a decade's passed, and you realize that you've been giving most of your time to these things that you never really intended to keep for all that long. And so I have been thinking about what I need to do next and the steps that I want to take and what it might look like to start my own sort of small company. I've kind of ended up accidentally stumbling into a bunch of like consulting roles and strategic roles. And I found that I I do pretty well in that kind of stuff. And I would like to continue consulting for companies and businesses and startups and this, that and the other. And yeah, it it is interesting how when you're working for a company, even as a freelancer, and you have a defined role, things feel pretty simple. But as soon as you start adding what feels sort of like a bigness to things, the desire for ramping up authenticity is a big deal for me. And I never felt like I needed to prove my authenticity as an employee or as just a contract freelancer. 
But as soon as I start having my own business, proving that I am worthwhile and doing something that's authentic is hard. And I hadn't really considered that until I started taking steps in that direction. You know, the whole consulting thing, to me, I feel like you're talking business strategy Mm -hmm. is a lot of what that seems to come across as. And like for me, I've been doing a lot of consulting lately. And I have been putting a team of developers around me such that like I go do the client calls and I do the consulting with them. I put the retainers in place, blah, blah, blah. And I hire people to do the development pieces for me. Now, I still do a lot of development. Like I'm still keeping my head in that game and and take some of those pieces so that I continue to keep up with what's going on in my world of development. But it does mean that I have to take steps back more often, at least once a week. Like we've talked about this even just last episode where you know, I'm trying to take this time once a week to put the systems in place for myself and continue to build those. Well, it also means that on a more regular basis, I have to pull my head up from, you know, the grind and and look at what the business is headed towards on a bigger level because I just haven't really done that. And because I'm exploring and, you know, when I'm on a client call, it's it's rare that I can't find a way to help them in some way, whether it's consulting, whether it's, you know, making an integration or exploring new services or things or products that I haven't even thought about because they are interested in it. And I feel like it's something we could do. I typically say yes and try to figure out how to make it happen. Like that's just kind of the way I've been operating for a long time. I'm probably going to have to stop doing that at some point, but I'm not to that point yet. So I'm going to keep doing it. But (laughs) More power to you, man. It does mean that you got to pull up and, and take a look at things at a broader level. And at the same time, like the consulting bit, It seems like you have to go build the thing itself for a lot of time before you can get into that. And it's pretty sweet that you're starting to get into that. But I don't know. I think it all comes down to what is it that you're able to do that's helping them? And then can you do that on a regular basis? Hopefully on a subscription slash retainer type scenario, those seem to be the best to build out. But I don't know. It sounds like a lot of strategy stuff that you're working through. I even just mean it in in the sense of it's a challenge for me to think, oh, this is now like a full-blown company, or even if it's just me doing the work on my own. I guess what I'm trying to say is I think that the office is a good example to me of a thing that I felt I needed, not just because it was convenient, but because it provided me with a level of What's another word for authenticity? What am I trying to say? You know, like that I am a de facto person that can be trusted with the with the corporation's account. Right. And, you know, and the, the funny thing that you know just as well as I know, and that many people listening to this know, is that I mean, so many of the things that need to be done in terms of development and creative work, it gets slower the bigger that you get. I would never want to hire a massive company to do a redesign or do anything like that because the the bigger the company the the less they're going to focus in on a project and i want things to be moving quickly and have each project getting its own attention and a custom type of work spun specifically for it and you can do all of that with no problem out of a bedroom these days but it doesn't feel like it and i guess that's what i'm i'm feeling conflicted in personally and uh, it's it's interesting to hear that you might feel some of that same conflict too, if not to that same level. I think it depends on the size of person or company you're working with. 
because you just have to be faster than them. Yeah, like that—that's <laughs> all that really matters. Because you know, when I when I started doing freelance development, I ended up doing it for a lot of small businesses and stuff. So that was a big selling point. Was I'm going to scope this project with you? I will send you the invoice. I will you know take care of any problems. I am your customer service. I'm the one building it. I am it. And that really appealed to that particular demographic. And it meant that in most cases, I was faster than them because they are operating quickly. They're making decisions on the fly. I could sit down with them and in 30 minutes have a website specced and know how to move forward on it. But fast forward to today, it's rare that I run across a client that can do that. Mm. They are typically two, three people and they're conveying what their broader team wants to do. And I'm trying to see how I can fit within that vision that they have. And they will typically take that, go back to their team, make some revisions to that. We go back two or three times and then we get the estimates and quotes and stuff in place. So it takes more time, which means I have more time to work with and grow the company to a point where it's bigger and maybe it operates a little bit slower. But frankly, I'm still significantly faster than the vast majority of my clients. Uh, to me, that's it's a natural progression. As long as my systems allow me to operate quicker than they do, I, I feel like we're in pretty good shape. So I feel like that's what you're kind of talking about, but I feel like you at the same time, and I'm projecting on you, so correct me <laughs> where I'm wrong here, but it seems like you want to keep that one person's speed, but be able to grow the size of client that you're working with. And there's a disconnect with the legitimacy that it feels like it comes across as when it's a single person shop, right? When you're freelancing and you're trying to work with bigger corporations. It's a weird thing where uh, when you're trying to prove that you can do work, trying to establish legitimacy is a challenge. And and I guess why I even brought all of this up is because I feel like that's part of the having a conference call from your home office with a sofa in the background. If that makes people feel like you're less legitimate, that's a problem, even though it's not true. Like, there's no problem at all with you in your home office because your home office is a great place and it's probably going to see you get more work done more quickly because you walk down from your bedroom, grab a cup of coffee and get in there by whatever ungodly hour you wake up every day, 3 a.m. or <laughs> Too early in the morning. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So I know for a fact that that's probably better than the big old corporation that has other people that are doing a job similar to you and they're trudging into work at 9 a.m. after an hour-long commute and responding to a bunch of emails and having a staff meeting and then getting to the work. And I am just finding that right now, like, oh, man, I want to show people that I can do all of the stuff that I'm saying I can provide and do it really well, but I'm hoping that my legitimacy is never questioned. And I, I think that we're just living in a weird time right now, Joe, because I think 10 years, 20 years ago, it would have been unfathomable to run a business that has big clients and a bunch of different stuff and doing work around the world and requiring you to get a passport and take a quick trip to Canada all from your home office. But now it's no problem. It's no problem at all. And sometimes you come across people that are still operating out of the 10-year-ago, 20-year-ago model, and that's where we find some conflict. And I, I wish that we could push it forward and show people that things have changed a little bit. Because I, I even feel like we're going to start seeing a huge proliferation of remote 
remote offices. The last company that I worked with was completely remote. They had an office and two of them were there and every single other person on the team was all around the country and even around the globe. So, you know, it just doesn't matter anymore, but there's still a feeling sometimes that I feel internally and I know other people are probably perceiving externally of a lack of legitimacy because you don't have XYZ that used to be important. I think I think you're right that there are a lot of companies that are distributed and they're they're virtual companies, but at the same time, I I think some of the struggle that I'm working through is with this legitimacy concern is that even with those companies these these distributed companies across the world, even with them, they typically have a headquarters or a home base. And even with, they've got between 20 and 4,000 employees and they're completely virtual. Even at that level, they still have something they call a headquarters. There is still an office somewhere. And typically that office is where the owner or founder resides in some way. And right. they are the ones that operate out of that office. I'm that person. <laughs> I, I'm that owner founder in this case. And, and I meet with a lot of other founder owners on a, on a regular basis. And I'm the odd man out in a lot of cases who doesn't work out of that office space. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe this is more of a, maybe, maybe there's a hint of jealousy in here. Like if I'm going to be completely <laughs> honest, like maybe that's what's going on. Because it seems like a lot of those folks that I, I'm working with, that's how things operate, at least in the tech space, it seems. Mm. And, and it seems like I'm kind of the the weird one who doesn't seem to fit that mold. Interesting. Well, keep on having a home office, man. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to go anywhere. I, I will definitely keep the home office. But <laughs> there there are things I think about, like, you know, recording. Like, it'd be great to have a space that's, dead silent and i know it can be reliable especially from like a, a networking stance uh of course me always looking at internet speeds too but you know that sort of thing i think about and having a place to just have a different place to go work like i could see a lot of benefits in it i think i'm just trying to work through are my reasons legitimate here? Like, am I having real reasons here or is this just because i want it mm. and not that that's a bad reason but yes it, it, this is this is a tension and struggle I'm working through right now. Would you mind working on a team that was completely remote? I did at one point. So the last company I worked for was a virtual company. Mm -hmm. uh, so I worked out of my home for them for about two years. I mean, I guess I'm just asking because I was wondering if there was something inside of you that preferred the we're all here working on the same problem at the same time kind of feeling, or if it didn't really matter to you. It doesn't really matter to me. And I mean, maybe this is, again, where we, we defer slightly, because I'm just very, very uninterested in anything that makes me feel weighed down. I travel a lot. I am literally in the midst of traveling right now. I'm recording this episode from a hotel room in Los Angeles because we're here as Christine's doing some work in the LA area. Nice. And I just like to have that freedom yeah. to be able to pick up and do that kind of stuff, even for recording. And sometimes that bites me, like a couple episodes ago. But as you, as <laughs> knock on wood, right? I mean, yep. everything's going fine on this episode. I, I learned from right. my mistakes. I try not to make that twice. And <laughs> I bring my microphone and a few different things and I can, I can do it from wherever. And I feel like that same reality about recording and talking to you right now is true for all the work. I mean, it's all in a laptop now. 
it doesn't matter. There's no documents that I need to bring along to keep working on any projects. As long as I make the space for it, which I do, I wake up at 6 a.m. and get to a coffee shop by 7 a.m. and get some work done by 9 a.m. as everyone else is waking up and, you know, getting their day started. And there's no problems with me being in a, in a different space than I usually am and continuing to work on the projects that I do. And I just don't feel the need to have an office or have a physical location or any of that stuff for those reasons. And I am trying to fight in myself that, uh uh-oh, I need to be legitimate feeling because I would rather push things forward and say, yeah, I I don't have A, B, C. I don't have these things that you might be used to a company or an organization having. And we're going to work together anyways, and it's going to be great. And I even find that the kind of people that I want to work with have no problem with that whatsoever. And the people that are a pain to work with might be the ones that would uh, have a have a bit of an issue with it. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's interesting as you start kind of figuring all of that stuff out and realizing like what needs to be done because it's actually helping you get work done and what you feel needs to be done just because it's going to look better for somebody else or make you feel like you'll be perceived in a certain way. And I, I guess I'm just on a little journey of trying to reject some of that on my own. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, th- I think this is a journey that if you're going to be, if you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to go out and freelance and stuff, like you're going to have to have these conversations with yourself at some point. Like, what is it that you actually want to 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 get out of your job? I listen to a number of folks and I, I hear the phrases like, "Do you own a job or do you own a business?" Yeah, and I, I feel like as a freelancer, I definitely own a job in that sense, and I'm trying to transition out of that which means I have tons of these decisions that I have to make and and scenarios that I have to work through. I feel like maybe you're you've got a head start on me <laughs> with some of this. You've thought through some of it uh to some extent and I, I feel like I am being forced to decide now that I've made the decision to to grow the business mm-hmm. and now I have to <laughs> to figure all this out. Okay. Well, all right. Time to either decide or spend money. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of the way it goes. <laughs> Yeah. When you say that, like you're being forced to make some decisions, are there any decisions that you wish that you could have gone back and changed? Or is it just, is it just a matter of that you, that you're kind of having to make some, some changes by the seat of your pants as things come up? I think it's that I, I actually have a little bit of regret that I didn't take this jump sooner. Mm. And because I feel like there's a lot of this that unknowingly I did some research on how this all works as far back as I can remember, about a year ago, I've been slowly researching how to grow and like all the internal systems and how things would operate and what would I want in terms and agreements and blah, 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 blah. Like I've been thinking about this whole scenario for some time, but I couldn't have told you that. Interesting. And I, I kind of wish I had pulled the trigger sooner. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, it, it it's something that, yes, there are a number of decisions I'm being forced to make right now. I, I don't think I've run across any that I feel ill-prepared to to make in, in the exact moment that it happens. I, I feel like I have a pretty good intuition around what should happen and how it should happen, and I, I'm continuing to guide things down that path. I'm sure I've made some mistakes and won't know it for some time. <laughs> That's kind of how those things go, but I just feel like because I've unknowingly done a lot of research about this, I'm in a pretty good spot. But at the same time, just seeing how things are progressing, I've been enjoying the process, which is a little weird Mm. and kind of hard to admit 
to some extent, but I kind of wish I'd made the jump sooner. I have felt a, a similar thing as what you're experiencing. And part of it I was recognizing came from the fact that sometimes when you're doing everything on your own and you're starting to grow things, you end up in the wrong role. <laughs> and what I mean by that is it's easier for me to assume the kind of down and dirty roles of of getting some stuff done. Let's say I have a client and they need their social media ran. Or let's say I have a client and they need some visual rebranding. Well, it would be probably the best use of my time to find somebody that does that really well, can help me with the scheduling and posting, have a conversation about strategy, figure all that out, and then give the the major amount of the work to somebody who is ready to do it and happy to do it. But instead of doing that, I am the one that ends up doing all of that work because I am trying to get it done quickly. I'm trying to get it done well. And I know that it's easier, you know, it's one of those things, it's always easier to do it yourself than it is to teach somebody how to do it the way that you want it to be done. And as time has gone on, I've been recognizing how much of my time is taken up by these roles that I probably should have found somebody else for. Are you ever in that position? Yeah, I think I'm in that position right now Mm. where I need some legal help. I have typically written my own agreements in the past. And because this is really important and it can't be screwed up, I'm just, I need to pay someone to do it and be willing to work through the conversation with them to decide the, like the things that need decided on the, the technicalities and then let them go through that. But I think maybe the better example is with the development work itself that I'm contracting out. It's like, I do this. Like, I am good at this. This is why I'm in this position. But I have to rely on them to do that. And thankfully, I'm pretty good about, and this is this is a strength and a weakness. There are definitely bad sides to this. But I'm pretty good about, once a decision is made, I'm pretty good about just setting aside the old way and moving on to the new and kind of just letting the old go. I'm really good at that, which makes it very difficult with things like relationships where someone moves away. Like to me, that's it's very easy for me to just move on, <laughs> which is, is frustrating for some people. But with the developers, I do have to trust that they do a good job because the entire business relies on quality code and I am letting someone else write it. And that is a thing that... I have to make sure I have systems in place to help ensure that that code is written really well right. and that it's as stable as it can get. But letting that go for the first project, oh, that was a little bit painful. Like That, <laughs> that was not fun. But I don't know. It, it, it's never an easy process to let that stuff go. But I think I've read enough books about it and, and studied it enough and talked to enough people about it that I just know this is the thing I need to do. It may take someone else longer. It may not be done as up to my standards, at least at the at the onset, but being willing to stick with that person and teach them over time. The end game in the long game, I know is going to be better when it's all said and done. And I think that's what keeps me honest with the whole system. And, and that makes it a little bit easier for me to turn it loose. I think that it's harder for me because I, I I'm probably like you, I want to see it done well. And a lot of the stuff that I am giving to other people is the stuff that I know that I'm good at and the reason why I had that work in the first place. And for me, I think it's not only hard for me to to give away those those lower roles, 
but it's kind of hard for me to step into the higher ones. I was about to say, I don't know why, but I know exactly why. I mean, it's really, really easy for you to follow orders because it's pretty clear what you need to do. If someone tells you, hey, go do steps one, two, and three, you can say, okay, I can do that, and you can follow through. But when you're the guy that's given the orders, no one's giving you the orders on how to give the orders. Correct, <laughs> and, yeah. And I'm, and I'm recognizing that's kind of scary. I think that it's, it's, it's telling that I am less worried about the legitimacy angle. Like, yeah, yeah, of course I'm legitimate. I'm definitely good enough to do the work, and I'll show it to you with the work. And I am more hesitant when it comes to just growing something in general and stepping into that bigger role. And I, I, I mean, I have never been in a position where I've really given somebody a paycheck before. I have worked as a director of people, but, you know, that's still within a bigger corporation. And the person above me is the one cutting the checks for the person below me. And thinking about being that person at the top, I don't know. It's it's weird because it's a it's a pretty big shift of perspective, and I'm recognizing that I've never really been in that position before, and it, it's it's kind of taken a lot out of me. Now, I mean, you have been doing work in like subcontracting out people for a long time, right? Uh, I wouldn't say so. It's probably about four months. So, have you basically done everything independently up to this point? Yes. Oh, okay. For the most part, I mean, I've I've started doing some subcontracting about four months ago, and then. About a month ago, I had to completely restructure the way that I was doing that subcontracting and am now in a position where I I kind of have contractors borderline on a salary Mm -hmm. that I'm paying, which, you know... It's weird. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's odd for me having never been in that position where I'm paying other people. Like, to your point, like, this is a role that's very different. Yeah. And I continue seeing myself in situations where, like, did I handle that right? Mm. Like, this, like, I can work with clients all day. Like, that's, that's fine. And trying to figure out how to work with their projects and sending quotes and stuff, I'm cool with that. But when it comes to... In some cases, teaching these contractors that I'm doing work with, because keep in mind, like we keep referring to contractors and such, but these are people. <laughs> yeah. And I'm very aware of that. And I want to make sure that I'm doing well by them as well. So I feel like I have not only the relationship with the clients that I have been building and I've kind of figured out how to do a lot of that. But now I have this whole other world of learning how to work the relationship with people who are doing stuff for me, where I am their client, and I I have to sit on the other side of the table to some extent. So now I have to figure out how to work from the other side, Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily a thing I'm super comfortable with, and I'm aware that I need to learn and grow in this area. So I I, I hear you. Like This is not a thing I feel like I'm well-equipped to do. But I'm I'm definitely open to learning about it, and I feel like I'm kind of being forced to do that by trial and error right now. And I continue telling the the folks that are doing work for me, it's like, keep in mind, I am a developer who is now somehow an employer. So <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> so yeah, I have to have that conversation. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good way of saying it. I I am thankful for even that simple admission, and I think that I'd like to give that to is you know, hey, I have been doing this for a long time I've done these different roles and now I'm employing people too and I'm just I'm learning as we go 
And it, that, that seemed to work out pretty well so far. Everything that I have employed up to this point has been pretty small potatoes. So even I'm glad that I haven't had to bring somebody fully on board and have them dependent on, you know, all this work that I'm, I'm trying to figure out myself. So, so far, so good. But that's interesting to me that we're kind of both in that similar space and in similar times. And it is very reassuring to me to know that I'm not the only one that feels a little... Oh, feels how <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to find a, uh, a, a kind word here because I was going to, I was going to say clueless, but, but clueless doesn't seem quite too, quite too kind. But that's probably the right yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. But, but we will go with, I am glad that I'm not the only one that finds it a bit daunting. Part of what we talk about a lot on the show is, you know, what makes me and what makes you effective at working. But I could be as effective as possible while I'm doing work and using my iPad and writing away. But if I'm not liking what I'm doing, you know, what the heck is it all for? So this has been a good time for me to kind of reevaluate and make sure that what I'm doing going forward does make me happy. And it's cool to hear that the, the same thing can be said for you. Yeah, it's a fun journey. I think the thing that shocked me the most whenever I started down this path was that I actually like this process, right. which is odd. Yeah. Like I, I've always thought of myself as like, I build stuff for the internet and I share it with the world. Like that is a lot of how I, I, I've thought about it. And now like, okay, I, I have a whole team behind me now, which means that I can accomplish more in that way. But it, it also means to your point, like it's a new role. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of take a step back and think it through and learn your way into it. It's not like, you know, in in the space that I'm in, I've not really done any formal training on, you know, leading employees to some extent. I've done a lot of reading about it and I've been under good leaders in the past and I have a lot of friends who are good leaders, but actually employing what I know and how I I like to operate with those relationships that's a new journey. <laughs> right. So I'll continue down that path. Mistakes will be made. I hope they will forgive me. We'll keep moving. Maybe you'll get an office. Maybe you won't. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and maybe that will quell the, the, the desire to be legitimate and authentic in some way. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still going to go look at it, though. 